Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, good morning. Hey, my name is Aaron, and I'm uh, honored to be here with you this morning. I'm on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here at the University of Kentucky's campus, and uh, love your church, love the community here, and love, love your leadership, and actually a lot of staff here involved in our ministry here at a local level, even middle school and high school. So, hey, I'm going to be in the book of Psalm this morning, Psalm chapter 27. So if you have a Bible, if you have an app on your phone, it'll also be on the screen here. You can follow along. But it's, we're going to be in Psalm 27, and here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to read the first verse of that, and then I'd like to pray, and then we'll jump right in. Psalm 27 David said this, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Will you pray with me? Father God, we are awake this morning because of your grace on our life. And God, we thank you for an opportunity to gather as your church, to be able to worship you through song, but to be able to worship you through your word. And we pray that over these next few minutes, that our hearts would be open and receptive to the truth of your word. God, we pray that you would help us to change. And we pray that you would help us to see the hope that we have in you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, so I don't know how many of you, a show of hands, are cheering for the 49ers tonight. Any 49er fans here? Okay, how many Chiefs out here? All right, most of you guys have been influenced by your pastor here in a great way, so that's good. Um, Hey, but I came across a story not too long ago, but actually out for reference for the 49ers, but when they were building the Golden Gate Bridge over the San Francisco Bay, what actually began to happen in that moment was the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge fell way behind schedule. And the reason why is because workers were falling from the scaffolding that they had built to their death because of the wind and all, all the different uh, weather elements out there. So all the work stopped because you can understand how this works. If you see your coworker, you know, climbing, working, and he's falling to his death, like, hey, I, I ain't getting back up there, man. You're good. Engineers and administrators, they, they, they couldn't find any solution to all these costly delays that was happening. So they got together, they came up with a plan, and to everyone's surprise, here's what they came up with. They suggested that a gigantic net be actually placed and hung underneath the bridge than to catch anyone who would fall. So they debated this, the engineers, this is what they were suggesting, but it was gonna come at a price, and I heftily wanted that. But they decided to go forward, and after they installed the net, what was amazing to them was progress was hardly interrupted. A a worker or two did fall because of the wind out there over the bay, but when they fell, they fell into the net, and they were saved. And ultimately, all the time that was lost to fear was regained because people were replacing their fear with faith and confidence in the net. The the workers became actually productive when they were confident. Uh, The bridge actually got built because they were confident in the net. Confidence was restored because they saw the faithfulness of the net. Have you ever noticed that about your own life that when confidence is high, 
work actually gets done. Have you ever noticed that? That we all have to have reasons for confidence, and they had reasons to be confident building that bridge even in the midst of a challenge. I want to present to you this morning as we walk through Psalm 27, I'm going to kind of Hopefully that in a few minutes when you walk out these doors, the big idea, the driving point that God is trying to speak to me and you through his word this morning is that confidence always has a source. And God wants to be the source of our confidence. Confidence always has a reason. I'm convinced with 14 years with Coach Stoops and other athletes on UK's campus that you can live with confidence or you can live with fear. But you can't live with both. As many of these athletes, even tonight in the Super Bowl, they'll begin to take the field. Trust me, they're either going to play with faith or they're going to play with fear. But one thing you notice in the scripture is that confidence drives out fear. And it did for the workers building the Golden Gate Bridge, but it also did for King David, who wrote Psalm 27. Listen to Psalm 27. I read verse 1 just while I go, but follow along here in verses 2, 3, 4. I just want to play this out. Verse 2, King David said, When evil adorers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Listen to the words in verse 3. Though though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. The one thing I've asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Now, King David wrote this in Psalm 27. He had plenty of reasons to fear. King David, in this particular moment in his life, he was at war with nations. Not only was he at war with nations, he was actually had some of his own people trying to kill him. So David had reasons for fear, but he also had reasons for confidence. God God was not calling David to live in fear. God was calling David to live in confidence. You're here this morning, and you might be at a crossroads in your own particular life, but you have reasons for real justified fear. But the Scripture's also telling us this morning that you can have real justified reasons for confidence. God's not calling you to live in fear. God's not calling any of us to live with that. He's calling us to live with confidence. The most repetitive commandment in the entire Bible is to fear not. It's our choice. And hopefully what we understand from the text this morning is that confidence is going to be the free gift of God for anyone who is rightly trusting in God's goodness and faithfulness. I, I want to walk you through this. Now I want to show you a couple of different observations in this text. And the first point, as you follow along on the screen here, is I just want you to notice, number one, the source of his confidence. This is found in verse 1. Now, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When David says this, this is a statement. This is a declaration. David refers to the Lord as His light, his salvation, his stronghold. He's saying this, that the Lord is his security. But notice something in the text here. He does not say that the Lord is a light or a salvation or a stronghold. But David says the really, really important word in the text. He says he is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. Hey, and I, I'm no biblical scholar, but trust me, but man, when I read that, 
I think the most powerful word in this verse is that little pronoun, my. He, he, he possesses it. In other words, do you understand this this morning, that David is claiming that he possesses the Lord. His confidence is sky high, not because of who David is, but because of what he's got. He, he, he's got the Lord. He's not encountered God just with his ears. He's encountered God with his heart, and he's experienced God with his life. He has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. The, the Lord is his. He has the Lord. Because this is true, David does not have any reason to fear any man, enemy, or circumstance. He has experienced the faithfulness of the Lord in the past, and that encourages him to put his faith in the Lord in the present moment. But not only I want you to see the word my, I want you also to see the word here in verse 1, that the Lord is my light and salvation. Man, I don't know about you, but reading this text early this morning in my house, Man, I needed that. You know why? Man, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know you. And I'm walking out here in a couple hours and be with my family, but I do know this. In my own heart, in my own walk with Christ, I need a present tense God. I don't need a past tense. I don't need a future tense. I need a present tense grace that sustains me in the moment. And aren't you thankful today that when you hear verses like this and you also fast forward to the New Testament where Paul is saying, my grace is sufficient for you, that this is a present tense sustaining grace for you that's not bound up in just yesterday, but he's alive today? The, see, the, the only way to have true security in the moment is to have the Lord in the moment with you. And what gives David confidence and security is not a lesser circumstance, not a lesser enemy, but what gives David confidence is the act of sustaining God who never will leave him and never forsake him. We, we have a present tense God. Hey, since it's kind of Super Bowl Sunday, I'm not, you know, Pastor Brian didn't tell me how many timeouts I get, but I'm going to take one. And I want to ask you, are these words that, you would use to describe your faith right now, your journey? Right? Like, would, would your best friends, would your spouse, would your family members come alongside and say, yeah, this, this describes you? If not, church, let's, by God's grace, let's step into the truths of the, of the word and let's let this be something that's shaping us and forming us to be this. Notice what he's saying. The source of his confidence is because he has the Lord and the Lord is with him in the moment. Confidence is always going to be based upon what you possess. I, I remember years ago, I, I, I like to run a little bit. My son runs in college at a, a small school, and I have experience with running, run some half marathons and some full marathons, and I know some of you all are runners. And I remember my first half marathon I ever trained for. We lived out in the middle of the country in a rural Kentucky and a two-lane road, and I had to run out and back on a long day one day. And I was going down through this valley. When I went through this valley, I was kind of, 
in this little area, and it was kind of a, more of a poverty area, and, and a pack of dogs came out and stood with me in the middle of the road, and um, I, they were surrounding me and circled me, and they, they weren't trying for me, you know, they didn't really want me to pet them. I don't know exactly how to describe the situation to you, but they weren't friendly. And I was surrounded by all these dogs in the middle of this country road, and man, I was kind of getting to the point where there was tons of fear, and I, man, I'm not really sure what to do in this moment. And a guy, true story, on the side of the road on his um, single wide over here with a porch he had built on it, hollers at me in the early hours of the morning and says, hey, buddy, hey, catch this. And no joke, he throws me a tobacco stick. Now, I don't know if you know what a tobacco stick is or not, but it's a pretty long stick. It looks like a spear. It's got a tip on it. And this is like a movie. He throws it to me, and I catch it in the middle of the air. But when I had this stick, then I just pointed it at these dogs, and these dogs literally were, like, afraid of him. I mean, afraid of the stick. And so they just backed off. So I'm like, heck, man, I've got, the, I got a weapon here. And so I, I'm still, like, six miles in the run. I got six more. So I take off running, and I've got this like tobacco stick with my hand, and I'm, I'm not sure how to do this, and so I had this idea that I'm going out and back, and so I decided to lay the tobacco stick in the ditch after I went through the valley and I went on, but I've got to turn around and man, i got to come back, and so I thought, you know what, I'll just grab the stick in the ditch when I go right back through the valley, the, and so sure enough, I'm kind of anticipating the dogs coming out, and here they come, I had my stick, and I pointed at them, and they backed off like, hey, that's bigger than me. You know, so they go back home. Yo, I did this same routine because it was the only route I had. I did this same routine for four months. And I learned an important lesson on that day is that confidence is always based upon what you possess. And on that time, I had all confidence in the world because, man, I had my tobacco stick, and there wasn't any dogs going to bother me. And they're here in Psalm 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Isn't that good? That's the source of our confidence. Second thing I want you to see here is the pursuit of confidence. Look at what he says here, the pursuit here. He says in verse 4, One thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and acquire in his temple. Now, we, we just... We just learned that there is a source of our confidence. That's God. But it also involves a pursuit. Hey, now, church, check this out. There, there is nothing passive that would describe David's relationship with God. I promise you, he's not letting go and letting God. He is stepping in to seeking after God. He's hungering after God. He has a passion and a pursuit to know God. When he says, the one thing I've asked of the Lord, this is what I want to seek after, is that he wants to dwell with God. This is, the presence of God always involves a pursuit. Your, your, your confidence in your salvation always leads you to a pursuit of God. Now, notice what he says. He says, the one thing. He's got one thing to do on his list. That one thing is his task list. It's a single focus. That's to dwell in the house of God. Now, when he wrote this, he was specifically talking about the temple of God. Not just because it was an awesome building, but it's because that's where God was. He is not saying this. He's not saying that he wanted to spend all of his time in a church building, but he wanted to spend all of his time in the presence and the blessing of the living God. It, it, 
it was not the external things of the temple that drove him. That's not what drove him. What drove him was God himself. Uh, he, he, he later on records in Psalm 84.10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Uh, listen to the words. This is what I seek. Better is one day. I would rather. All of these words imply choice or intentionality. This is his desire, his presence, his, presence, his preference. I, I just want you to notice here in the text that he's very confident in God. That's his source, but it, but it involves a pursuit. So what, what all does this mean, Aaron? Well, in, uh, let me, let me kind of say it like this. What all this means is this. Confidence always comes from a clear view of God. Confidence does not come from a clear view of self. The, the world right now will challenge you and tell you that you need to get to know you better. That's not true. You need to get to know God better. The only way you can ever actually understand you and your purpose on this planet is to actually start with God and not yourself. If you start with yourself and try to make sense of yourself, you'll end up in destruction and more confused in your life. But if you start with God as your reference point, all of a sudden, then you begin to make sense of your own life. It's the idea that you're not here on the earth asking God to be a subcontractor on your life and to bless your life. No, you start with God. This is his world. We exist for him. Every breath, everything we have in life is it's from him. And we start with him and we change our lives according to who he is. We don't ask him just to bless us on the, on the life that we're building here. And we want to kind of like, we want a subcontractor on this thing. No, this is about God. In fact, Rick Warren, Pastor Saddleback years ago, number one hard cop, uh, hard book, you know, seller in the whole world, purpose driven life, first sentence. Once he starts off with, he says, This is not about you. It's not about you. This is about God. Confidence always comes from a clear view of God and not yourself. I, I, I came across an illustration not too long ago of a, um, in, a, in a book called Chasing the Thrill. And it's a true story of an amazing treasure hunt. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, you definitely, your favorite movie in life, but my, my favorite movie in life by, you know, no close margin at all is the movie Goonies. Anybody seen the movie Goonies? I mean, if that's not your favorite movie, we're going to bring the baptistry back out here in a minute, and we can go ahead and take care of that, and you can repent. And, um, but Goonies is one of my favorite. I mean, it's like a treasure hunt. I mean, it's like I, I wish, I mean, I, I, I am a Goonie. That's what I want to do with my life. And, um, but this is a true story of a treasure hunt that ended in 2020. And it, it ended in 2020, but 10 years earlier, there was an art dealer named Forrest Finn who actually hid a treasure in the Rocky Mountains. And, and he placed a map and a poem in a book that he self-published. The, the poem and the map contained clues that would lead a person to the treasure, which actually contained $2 million in rare coins and jewelry. And so from 20, 2010 to 2020, it was estimated that 350,000 people searched for this treasure. Some people actually left their jobs as they viewed the treasure worthy of more than anything else. 
Some sacrificed relationships. Other people devoted time, forsook other pursuits to go after the treasure. Some even gave their lives. Actually, some people died searching for the treasure. Uh, uh, authorities even asked Finn to make it clear that he hid the treasure in the open. And people, people you know, were kind of risking so much. But in finally 2020, the treasure was found. A medical student by the name of Jack found the treasure. He was obsessed with the treasure so much, he left everything to pursue it. And he quoted by saying this. He said, I think I got embarrassed how obsessed I was with it. Maybe I didn't want to admit that maybe it had a hold on me. You know, friends, uh, whatever it is that we treasure always has a hold on us. And when we decide to treasure something, the thing that we treasure is what we pursue. Let me challenge you that the Lord Jesus Christ is not a treasure to be used. He's a treasure to pursue and to worship. In, in the texture, you see that kind of same desire coming from David. He has a source of confidence, but he also has this, this pursuit of confidence. Hey, as, as we march on through the text, the next thing I just want you to see is, is the fight for confidence. In 7 through 12, look, listen to his words here. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. I love this, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and, and they breathe out violence. Hey, 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 church, listen to this. Do you notice we're in verse 7, and we just read 7 through 12? Do you notice what just happened? The verses that sound so different than the previous verses that we just have been reading. David sounded so confident in the first half. Now in the second half of the psalm, he doesn't sound confident. And so it's almost like the teaching point here is, is just when you think that there is a formula for driving out fear and living with confidence, you realize there is no formula. His faith actually feels like a fight now. This is not theater. But when I read this, I'm not sure about you, but this doesn't discourage me. This encourages me because now I know that, man, when my faith feels like a fight, that doesn't mean anything's wrong. Sometimes it just means it's hard. And then this is encouraging to me because it also understands that, that fears don't go away just because maybe we put bars on windows, they tend to kind of crawl back in. David was confident in verse 3, but he's anxious in verse 7. It, it shows us that Man, your feelings are real, but they're not always reliant. It shows us that what's more important than our feelings is actually truth. You know, this evening, uh, you might be gathering together with some people to watch the Super Bowl. We'll have athletes at our home tonight. We have athletes at our home all the time. We're always constantly hosting. And, and as they walk in tonight, I promise you, this is, they're not going to do this. Actually, when they walk in, they'll compliment things every now and then. Hey, man, we, we love your couch. Man, it's a beautiful home. Man, we, we love your TV. Man, this is great. 
But do you know what I've never had in the past 20-some years of hosting coaches and athletes in our home? I've, and students, I've never had this compliment before in my home. Man, uh, I love this foundation. Man, this is, this is a good foundation right here now. Now, you don't hear that, do you? But what's the most important part of a home is the foundation. We, we tend to compliment the exterior and the supplemental. In your own life, what's more important is the foundation you're standing on. It's the truth and the hope of the gospel. It's not all the bells and whistles that are flying around. What's more important to you than your feelings is the truth of who God is. And we want to cling to that. My favorite part of every single day in growing up in elementary school was recess. Was it not for you? In fact, man, one time we walked out there and I saw a pole with a ball. And people were hitting a ball on a pole and it had a rope tied to it. I was like, man, what was that game called? It's called what? Tether ball. That was a crazy game, wasn't it? But you know why they call it tether ball? is because the ball is tethered to the pole. It's the same thing that the Bible's telling you and I. Tether yourself to this truth. Tether your heart to the truth of God's word. Your confidence in might be a battle, but what's more important than your feelings is your truth of who God is and who he says he is. And he said he would never leave and never change. Amen? This is the source, this is the pursuit, and this is the fight that we have. Now, as I wrap up, I want to encourage you to think about something. Fear and faith are interesting dynamics. Fear and faith are both concerned about the future. It's just that fear looks at the future and believes in the promises of God. Faith believes, looks in the future and believes the promises of God. Fear looks at the future and subtracts the promises of God. Think about this. Faith and fear are both thinking about the future. The difference, though, is that fear believes in a future without the promises of God. Faith is looking at the future with the promises of God. Fear is looking at life and subtracting. Faith is looking at life and adding. Fear is based on a lie. Faith is based upon what's true. Fear is simply taking God out of the equation Faith is simply living with the gospel in the equation. This morning as we conclude, I, I don't know about you, but this week as we begin a new week in our lives, we all have a choice to make. There's not one single person in this room that was born a winner. But there's not one single person in the room that was born a loser. But we all are born choosers. And the choices we make shape and mold us into who we are. You have real justified reasons for fear, but you also have real justified reasons for confidence. You can live a life of faith, you can live a life of fear, but you can't live both. And when we trust and choose in who God is and who he says he is for us in the gospel of Christ, faith drives out fear, and we can stay tethered to the gospel of Christ, and we do so. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you for Psalm 27. We thank you for a challenge of your word. God, we pray that we would be men and women this week that walk in the truth of becoming men and women who are in our communities, in our homes, in our marriages, that stay tethered to the truth of the word and walk in faith and not in fear. 
God, we pray that you would strengthen us in the innermost being of our hearts so that we would ooze with hope, love, and joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.